So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, man fans. I'm Ollie Man, welcoming you to The Modern Man, your monthly cut-out-and-keep supplement full of trends, sex advice, and amazing life stories. Here's what's coming up. It wasn't like I was an expert in threesomes before I met Cody, but I was the, I, he had never had one before, and I had. I became almost like a little mentor. Who sleeps with who? Who marries who? What happens when your threesome becomes a three-way relationship? Plus... There's no pressure to polish it and perfect it. You can just give it a whirl for one night only. Alex Fox gets creative with lockdown dating and Ollie Peart gets his groove on. It's all to come in this edition of The Modern Man. But first, your letters. And uh, hello to our ambassador for Bolton, Jake Kirkman, uh, who has been in touch to say, Ollie, I feel it's right to use my powers to declare a ambassador for the small town of Poniatowa in Poland. My girlfriend Mags introduced me to the world of the modern man when we took a road trip around the north of France and I've never looked back. She deserves an honorary title for her hometown. Uh, Jake, that is as may be, but frankly, you are drunk on power here. Uh, the ambassadorship for Bolton is in itself honorary, and I am the dictator who gets to choose whose patches whose. I would have thought that was obvious. What you're doing here in an act of sheer nepotism as well, awarding a patch in a different country altogether to your own girlfriend, is effectively a coup. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. Step down. Uh, elsewhere, hello Adam, who says, Ollie, I've been a fan of all your shows for many years now, and I don't usually email podcast that I follow but I had to get in touch after your interview with Olivia last month Um, I'm 27 and I have been struggling with eating disorders for nine years only recently have I admitted to myself I'd had anorexia and only during a particularly low point in lockdown have I finally managed to get a referral for support I'm recovering now but I still have a long way to go Outside of my therapy, I don't usually hear about others going through similar situations. So listening to Olivia's experience helped me recognise I am not alone. Uh, Adam, thank you for the email. Well done on reaching out um, and getting the therapy that you need. I will be forwarding that on to Olivia. And if if you want to share your story on the show for similar reasons, please do get in touch. Monmanwith2ends.co.uk. You can click feedback there and reach out via our website. Uh, we do read every email that comes in, even if sometimes it takes a very long time for us to reply <laughs> because there's only me and Matt behind the scenes. Uh, right. Final thing, just before we get going on this month's edition, a big thanks to our sponsors, the world's largest craft beer club with over 170,000 active members, beer52.com. You may be wondering to yourself, Ollie Man, what are you doing promoting beer? Uh, you had a gout attack last summer, <laughs> to which I would say to you, au contraire, sir or madam, You are, of course, correct that I should probably be cutting down on the amount of beer that I drink, but that is exactly what Beer 52 has allowed me to do. They made it super easy for me to change my case, my monthly case of beers, to a bi-monthly case. So now it works out as one can of beer a week, and I save it for a Saturday night, 
and it is a highlight of the week. Uh, this Saturday night, I cracked open a can from Brew York. Uh, they're a brewery based in York, DC. Uh, and it was an absolutely scrumptious rhubarb and custard pale ale called Rhubarbra Streisand. I mean, uh, <laughs> if you want to get a free case of eight craft beers just for listening to this podcast, you can try it yourself. Go to beer52.com slash modern and you only need to cover the cost of the postage, £5.95, to receive your first trial box of free beers, plus a magazine, plus a snack. That is beer52.com slash modern. And thanks again to them. Uh, right, coming up, you will learn what a picture pick tour is. Uh, you will learn how to get high-fived on New Year's Eve. And you'll learn why pilots need PCs. Let's go. Right, time for the Zeitgeist. Your trends tested with Ollie Pitt. And I understand, Ollie, you have a new podcast to tell us about. I do. It's very, very exciting. It's called The Apray, and it's all about snowboarding, skiing, and that kind of stuff, which Perfect I love. Perfect for me. Have you been skiing? I went skiing once, by which I mean I went to Canada for a wedding, and the obvious activity to do whilst we were there was to take up skiing, and whilst I was waiting for my first lesson to begin, I fell over on my skis and dislocated my shoulder, which has become a recurring injury for a decade. Classic. It's less about the mountains, it's more about the, the stories from the mountains and, and the bit around it, the fun, you know, the drinking and the being out and the music all that kind of stuff so we have you know fun and games on the podcast I, I enjoyed listening even though i didn't know what you were talking about. i mean to me like <laughs> verbier and andorra these places all just sound like my little pony characters but i enjoyed the acoustics you had a crackling fire in the background that was very reassuring yeah basically we're in our log cabin podcast studio i got that vibe I was Good. there, I was in Switzerland, I had a Campari in my hand. Hang on, Campari? What are you doing? Why not? Is it Campari and soda? Yes. I mean, does that even need to be said? Of course, and yes, soda. it does. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. If you say martini, I'd like a martini. You're not drinking neat martini. I mean, you're obviously having a mixture of vermouth and, and vodka or gin. You obviously didn't order one in Fuerteventura in 2003. That's what happened to me. Never again. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you can find that if uh, you search for The Apre wherever you find your podcast. And you don't even have to use the accented E. It will still find it. Well, actually, someone who sounds like they'd probably be a fan of your new podcast is Tom in Stoke Newington, who wrote to you last month to say that after a year in lockdown, he was getting pretty frustrated because he's an outdoorsy type who likes skiing and surfing and all that sort of stuff. And he wants to learn a new outdoor skill indoors. Um, so the challenge was, uh, what can you learn from your home that you can then test out in real life, as in leaving the house. How did you go? Well, I started off by uh, using a, a, an app called Survivor Man, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it, it literally is like, learn the skills you need outdoors. And because Tom has already been skiing and surfing, that kind of thing, this was something a bit different. And, and the idea of it is that you're in a helicopter and then you crash <laughs> on a mountainside. Right. Not something you want to do in real life. No. And then a chap called Les Stroud, who is um, apparently a survival expert, pops up and he teaches you how to not die. Okay, you've just survived a helicopter crash into a mountain. There's no rescue in sight. So every decision you make from here on in will affect whether or not you live or perish. Hi, I'm Les Stroud, survival expert and your guide. I mean, it's a really dramatic, spectacular opening, isn't it? The helicopter's flying through the mountains. Then there's a crash. It's dangerous. It's glamorous. And then a man called Les comes in. 
<laughs> it just doesn't feel also, like those things match. You have to scavenge for bits uh, from the crash to build a fire from. From the crash? Yeah. Because you're on the side of a mountain. You're, you're above the tree line. There is no... There's no wood anywhere. It's just rocks and snow, Ollie. That's all you've got. So, But this isn't a situation you're ever going to find yourself in. Well, that's true. But the idea is that it's just teaching you how to build a fire. So he's like, right, you're going to need uh, some tinder. You're going to need mm. some kindling. Didn't even know there was a difference between the two, but apparently there is. Uh, you're going to need some fuel, you know, an ignition device, which in the game, in the app, was uh, aftershave. And you're going to need some wood, which was bits of wood from some boxes that were on the helicopter. But he was having a go at me because it gives you a tally of how many bits of this stuff you need. So you can see it going up. Pulled the aftershave on, lit it. It went out and he went, you died. This is me playing every video game ever. Like just me running into walls and not knowing what's happening, not being able to find the key. So I gave up on that and I thought, I just, I want to see if there's something that's just a bit more, a bit more real and gives me a sense of, you know, uh, uh, an outdoor experience where I can actually learn something. So I reached out to um, a YouTube channel by a couple called Kaz and Cherry, and they're just very good VR reviewers. They got back to me very quickly, actually. They were very helpful uh, with a list of of things that I could try, and two of them stood out immediately. One of them was uh, a game called Climb 2, right, which has only just come out. Like, it's literally just come out in the last 10 days or so. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is climbing, but you climb in these sensational places and you can climb up buildings, you can climb up mountainsides and canyons, you hang from ladders, all that kind of stuff. But I was also thinking with that when I downloaded it, I thought, well, hang on, am I really going to learn how to climb? And in short, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's amazing. There's a little bit where you have to sort of shimmy across a... Uh, between two buildings and I am not joking I was properly trembling like it, it, it it's it's actually horrible yeah that feeling in your knees yeah yeah I was trembling in my knees you probably enjoy that sort of thing you sicko don't you that's exactly <laughs> just the memory of that feeling is exactly why I've never been climbing again I did it once and I was like this is horrible like I my body's jellifying you enjoy that sort of stuff don't you I did enjoy it yeah it gives you sort of an experience of being at that height and I want to know if actually if I was dangling from that height I'd be better at dealing with it and I'd be less trembly so it's giving you that experience so although it's not a skill yes. it's kind of like a you know this is what it will be like when you're dangling from the top of a skyscraper so when you do go up there you're not completely shitting yourself and you can listen to the advice that you're being given there probably is something in there isn't there i mean yeah. again like it's not going to be able to exactly replicate the feeling of the wind on your face and the, the sense that you might fall to your death but no. it's better than not doing any preparation at all i suppose yeah and the other app was it was a sailing one so maybe this is more up your street instead i do like water so this is this has been developed by um a company in australia called Marineverse, and what they've done they've sort of created a, a, a yacht and dinghy racing experience. So you go through a sort of a tutorial. So it will say, this sail's called this, and this rope's called this, and if you want to do go this way, you have to pull on this rope, and if you want to go this way, you have to pull on this rope. And I actually spoke to Greg at Marineverse. He's the guy that who developed the game. Like, you know, what skills could I take from what you've developed and, and apply to a, an actual boat? Yeah. And he's like, well, really, 
it's more the experience of racing because actually sailing racing in itself is not complicated but there's there's things you need to know so you need to know how you start a race because you can't cross the line at a certain time you've got to like line your boat up and make sure you cross the line within a certain number of seconds you've got to go round certain posts and stuff and you've got to figure out how yeah, that kind but of works. a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing isn't it like i mean i know how a formula one race starts but that doesn't mean that i'm qualified <laughs> to drive in one well exactly I mean, it's back to me on my skis, isn't it? I mean, in fact, the reason I fell over on my skis waiting for my first lesson to start was because I had some confidence because I'd been to a dry slope skiing place and I'd done it once. I'd had a lesson in England and I thought, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to wait for the instructors to tell me to put my skis on. I'll put my skis on and then bang, fell straight over. Mm. He was adamant. He was saying, you know, there's a very narrow scenario where, you know, you could apply it to a real boat. He was just like, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to teach you how to swim if you fall over. It's not going to teach you how to balance the boat. It's not going to teach you how to recover from a capsize. It's not going to teach you what to do if a boom hits you in the head or how to avoid it. So if you think you can go from this to a, to a boat, you can't. <laughs> you right. will die. So this story doesn't end then with you going to your local reservoir having done one yacht sailing lesson. No, and I, I so I was I was trying to hunt out something that was just more um, it's more realistic, I suppose, and something that could offer the experience of like being in a in a virtual example of an activity and then literally you could plonk me into the real world mm. version it'd be fine and then i I actually thought and although it's not an out, sort of outdoor sports thing i thought about flying because i mean commercial airline pilots do use uh simulators to learn how to fly airliners right i mean they actually do do that when they go day one on their job with EasyJet or whatever that is literally the first time they have ever flown a commercial jetliner Yes. I mean, there's quite a strong infrastructure around them, isn't there? Sure. I don't know if there's passengers at that point. Certainly, there's a qualified co-pilot there. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, they're still, you know, they still go from simulator to multi-million pound jets. So I thought, well, if they can do that, then maybe Mm. with a VR headset, I could do it from sitting on my ass in in my living room to Mm -hmm. a, a crappy little propeller plane right surely that could work and um the obvious way to do this is with flight simulator been around for years we all know about it but the latest version of it whoa, whoa, whoa. when you say been around for years we all know about, do you mean the thing that was literally on windows 95 yes that is exactly what i'm talking about yeah microsoft flight simulator that's ridiculous I mean, that's like that's like me saying okay i want the experience of being the ruler of saudi arabia yeah. i'll play <laughs> prince of persia like what <laughs> there's no connection between those two things well there may not have been in 1995, but there is now. The latest version of Flight Simulator made quite a few headlines because of the realism of the thing. I mean, it, it, they've literally gone for photorealistic uh, graphics. But again, aren't you sort of like the gamification of it almost incentivizes you to fly it into a mountain, doesn't it? So again, oh, yeah, like, of course you're going to Are you really training to, yeah, to fly properly? I mean, I remember Microsoft Flight Simulator 95 yeah. flying it into that weird black building in chicago yeah <laughs> yeah that's the first thing i did yeah and so of course you're going to do that but if my mission is to learn how to fly potentially i could save thousands of pounds on tuition and hiring a real plane and fuel and all that kind of stuff i feel like if this story ends with you flying an actual aircraft i would have seen photo evidence of this on social media already because you wouldn't yeah. be able to contain your excitement so is I this would... going to a dead end yeah it is i'm sorry i spoke to mr microsoft and um they said, oh, yeah, we'll give you a copy of it because you have to play it on a PC. But I don't have a PC. I said, well, can you lend me a PC then? They were like, no. It's the iRobot Hoover all over again, isn't it? It is, although that's arrived now. Oh, has and, it? 
Yeah, you were right as well. I have started talking to it. In fact, I love it, and I've named it. It's called Sucky. <laughs> okay, so where does this end? I'm not going to lie. I was at my wit's end. I was getting a bit annoyed, and I, I reached out one last time to the virtual reality community because they are very vocal, and they're very, very helpful. And someone suggested DJing. Hello, DJ. My name is DJ Hoppe, also known as the DJ Coach. Welcome to Tribe, where you're among fellow music lovers who want to share our love and passion for music with the rest of the world. Now, I appreciate this isn't an outdoor skill, but arguably it could be. I'm at a festival or whatever. So turntable skills, turntable queuing skills. up records. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I downloaded it. It's called Tribe XR, and it is a DJ school. You've got two turntables in front of you and a mixer, and then this chap turns up, not Les this time, and... Uh, <laughs> He's like, right, I'm your DJ tutor and I'm going to take you through lessons on how to DJ. And he's there right next to you, just sort of saying, right, this is what we do. This is how we sync up the records. Do you need to have interest in a particular style of music? Because obviously a lot of people who get really deep into that kind of turntable mixing in real life are very into their drum and bass or their house or whatever it is. What if you just wanted to mix commercial disco records? Could you do that too? Uh, You can eventually, but uh, in the tutorial when you're learning, they give you the tracks that you have to learn with so okay it's basically that what's really great about it you know just forget that it's djing for a minute is is the way that it teaches you is actually brilliant and Mm. and it's about as close as i think you could get to having a real life tutor and you could take that idea you know we're trying to work out whether or not you could learn a skill through vr if that dj thing is anything to go by the answer is yes can you show us any proof of the skills that you've learned, Ollie? I can. I can. Now, uh, hang on. I might have to stand up because the, the decks are quite big. Oh. I mean, the challenge was for you to demonstrate in real life that you've learned something on VR, but you're actually now just going to demonstrate on VR that you've learned something in VR. I'm going to demonstrate in so It's VR. a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? <laughs> like, not- you don't know that you can do it in real life. It's not a cop-out. Actually, with that headset on, you do look like Daft Punk. And there is a vacancy now, I believe, to be Daft Punk. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Right, let's twizzle some knobs. <laughs> I can't reach them because I keep them to the wall. Here we go, right, here we go. Uh, have you sped it up a bit? Oh, I, yeah, now I can hear that. You've got the actions. I mean, did they teach you how to get into the party spirit without looking like a bellend? Because you're doing some good pointing. Do I not look like a bellend? I carefully phrased the question. Did they teach you how to do it without looking like a bellend? Uh, they do say try and move to the music. Do they? they? That's part of the lessons, is it? Yeah. So obviously it's impossible to tell from watching you really whether if you had some real decks in front of you, you would be a superstar DJ. I mean, what's your instinct? I think there are limitations. I think we've established that. You know, with like climbing, <laughs> for example, you know, you're not going to get that sense of wind in your hair. You're not going to learn, you know, the technical elements of how it feels to lift your weight on rock and that kind of stuff. But you will get a sense of what it's like to be dangling from a building and how to cope with being at heights. So Yes, there are limitations, but for certain things, actually, you can learn an awful lot. And I do think that if you were to put me in a real-life situation where I had those exact decks in front of me, the real-world version, I think I could use them. 
Well, if there was ever an incentive to get us out of lockdown, surely that is it. <laughs> I'd love to do it. Uh, right, well, time to uh, work out what your challenge is for next month's show. Are you ready? I was born ready. It's from Christine Marshall in County Armagh, who says, I love your show. It is the best on the internet, and I've it listened is. to quite a few. It is the best I mean, on I think the internet. So far, we rank her intelligence and her compassion. I am a keen beekeeper... immediately a a fork in the road and would love to see ollie pitt try his hand at beekeeping what like i have to get bees i think you can go along i i have a feeling that anyone who's really into beekeeping in dorset would be more than willing to share their experience with you ollie i reckon you can hook yourself up with a friendly local beekeeper but the reason that i think this might be a trend now and Mm. i'll confess we have been sitting on Christine's email for about 15 months because it's now spring and before that it was a global pandemic and it didn't feel like the right thing to do. So I, I hope you're still listening, Christine. I hope you still think the show's good. Um, <laughs> but the reason it might be a trend now is because we've had this anthropause. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's basically the idea is because of lockdown, this is mainly in 2020, but obviously applies a bit now as well, animals have changed their behaviour as a result of humans not being so active. So the theory is because there's been less pollution, Mm. it's been easier for bees to find pollen. And that means there might be more honey and there might be different tasting honey at the moment than there usually is. And it means because of, you know, people trying to find a hobby, trying to learn a new skill, as we've been exploring this month, there's a surge in people looking to take up beekeeping as well. So now's the time. Now's the time to strike, Ollie. The thing is with that, is there's quite a high risk of being stung. Can I do it in VR? Is that... Can you <laughs> no. do... This is the problem with VR, isn't it? Suddenly you're going to want everything in VR. <laughs> yeah. No, you actually have to wash with soap and water. You have to meet a person. I mean, there's something that seems quite romantic and lovely about it. Uh, and I do love honey. I'm not going to lie. Big honey lover. That's what the beard's doing to you. You're slowly morphing into Winnie the Pooh. I was trying to work it out. <laughs> No, you'll have a jar of honey. You've got the whole look. Put my whole fucking hand in a jar of honey (laughs) and spoon it into my face. Back to virtual experiences for just a moment, and we should thank our sponsors for this edition of the Zeitgeist Virtual Game Night Live, which is a virtual game night experience for between two and a thousand people. So the idea is that it's like a quiz night that you play over Zoom. But if you think that, oh God, Zoom quizzes, that's all a bit March 2020, I never want to do one of those again. This is totally different because it's it's got like TV game show level production values. We had a go, didn't we, Ollie? We did, yeah. And, and actually, one of my favourite rounds in it is uh, emoji decoding. Mm. I love these. I, they, they pop up every once in a while on WhatsApp. You get on a WhatsApp group and it'll be like, ooh, what bands are these? And you've got a list of 10 and you've got to try and figure them out. And it's like, a, I don't know, an aubergine and an egg. And you're like, oh, I don't know. There was a spelling bee. There was a fill in the blanks round. There was a world tour picture round. What's really cool as well is that Virtual Game Night can tailor their game to your group so if you you can book this just for a family game or just for a game with friends uh, but obviously a really great use for this is if you're hosting a party um, or you're doing a corporate event and then they can tailor around for you so like in jokes basically about your group of mates you can feed them that and they'll create a round based on you uh, or you know jokes about your company or people who work in the building um, all of that stuff can be incorporated into what feels like you're on jeopardy basically it's really fun another good thing about it is you don't have to be a, a techno nerd with it you just need your phone and you need to open a website so if you know how to open a website 
and you know how to use your phone, you can play. If you want to turn your next virtual gathering into a virtual game night, visit virtualgamenight.live slash man and book your completely free one-to-one demo and consultation. And when you're ready to book, take 20% off the price of any game night package with the code MANN20. That's virtualgamenight.live slash M-A-N-N and the code M-A-N-N-20. And thanks again to them. In a moment, you will meet Maggie and Janie and Cody, who turned their threesome into a relationship. But before that, it is time for our brand new record of the month, uh, available to hear as ever as part of our now multi-hour Spotify playlist. Uh, This time it is this fist of fun from St. Vincent. It is called Pay Your Way in Pain. Attitudes towards sexuality have shifted dramatically, even during my lifetime. Gay marriage is now legal, there is a question about sexual orientation on the census form this year, and one in six young Americans now identifies as LGBTQ. But less is said, I think, about polyamory. In the future, could we see three-way marriages being endorsed by society, a relationship where a couple has become a thruple who live and sleep together with everyone's informed consent. Cody, Maggie and Janie from Tennessee are in just such a relationship. To begin with, Maggie and Cody were a couple, so I started by asking her how they met. So Cody and I met on Tinder and it was supposed to be sort of like a casual thing. I had just gotten out of a relationship and then we met and we were supposed to be meeting for coffee. That's what I told my mom because I was still living at home at the time. And then instead I went to his house, which she's still a little bit salty about. (laughs) And I knocked on the door and two Rottweilers greeted me and the entire house was covered in tribal masks. And I was like, what? This is exactly why my mom said to meet this guy at a coffee shop because I'm about, <laughs> I'm, this is the end. This is, I'm 22, I'm too young to die, I'm too pretty to die, but here we are. I had just gotten out of a relationship where I had found out about three months in that the person I was dating wanted six kids and to never move more than two and a half miles away from her parents. And that was pretty quickly the end of that relationship. So, you know, getting into anything, even if it was only going to be the most casual of sorts, I just wanted to make sure that there was a a clear expectation there. On our first date, he told me, he's like, just so you know, I deleted my dating apps. And I was like, yeah, me too. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. On the basis of really just 45 minutes of real life communication. Yeah. But we were never 100% monogamous. Right when we first kind of had that conversation, I was living with two other guys and one of them happened to have a threesome the night before. And I was mainly just complaining about the fact that I couldn't get any sleep because they were 
up until, you know, four or five in the morning. And as kind of a throwaway comment, Maggie said, no, you know, by the way, that's something that is on the table for us as well. And as a mid 20 year old man, you didn't have to give me too much of a uh, of an opening before I at least wanted to see what that really entailed and if that was something that that was on the table. Thank God for the the internet and, and technology nowadays. There was a decent amount of apps, um, some absolutely horrible that we just kind of slodged our way through because of a lack of options. But it became online dating, you know, being bored on a Friday night watching TV and not really doing anything else and going, eh, you know, we'll swipe through and see if anybody kind of piques our interest or, or catches our our attention. Presumably, you're both attracted to different sorts of women. Like, how did you coalesce on the kind of, you know, Venn diagram of someone that you'd both be interested in? I mean, I think that there is people that obviously would be our ideal person. You know, you have your your top of the line. This is everything that I am trying to check a box for. And then you have other people who you're still attracted to, but maybe it wouldn't be your first choice, but there's not necessarily anything wrong with that person. You still feel a connection. You would just prioritize certain things over. And I think once we understood where everyone's minimum comfort level was, that cast a fairly wide net. Do you remember the first time you had a third person in your bedroom with Cody? Yeah, I, <laughs> I should. I don't remember her name. She was cute. I remember meeting her at a bar. and Cody suggested this like bartender after work bar that was like such a dump. And we got there and I was like, Cody, we can't. Like, this girl's going to be freaking out. Like, why are we meeting her here? And Why did you trust the man who had tribal masks all over his house? You know, excellent <laughs> To choose question. a romantic venue. Right? Right? <laughs> I was a bartender for many, many years, and I remember the, the quote-unquote creepy swinger couple who came through every weekend night. And any girl who was there by herself who was even moderately attractive, you could just see them, you know, we'll, we'll cover your drinks, come home with us, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Um, so that was never something that... We never wanted to be that. We never wanted to be uncomfortable. We never wanted it to be something that was uh, pushy or off-putting. It wasn't like I was an expert in threesomes before I met Cody, but I was the, I, he had never had one before, and I had. So I, I became almost like a little mentor in like the, the art of the threesome. And it wasn't like we were, I was explaining like crazy sex positions. It was like I was being like, okay, like this is fun everyone's nervous. This is not something that we were, you know, told about growing up, probably, you know, like you're, you know, you learn about sex, but you don't necessarily learn about threesomes. Like this is something that maybe is taboo. You don't know if you're a hundred percent comfortable right now. So if at any point you're not comfortable, tell us and we will, you know, change it or stop or whatever. But like everyone needs to feel as happy and comfortable as possible. And before you can get to that fun part of the sex, you have to make sure that all partners are in agreement that everyone is as comfortable as they can be, even with the little, you know, pre-sex nerves that happen. I mean, it's 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 literally a, uh, a juggling act almost. I mean, it's it's I think it's very easy in these situations to we've all we've all seen the porn. We've all seen the fantasies of I'm the guy I get to sit back. Everything gets to happen to me. I am the the end-all be-all of, of what gets taken care of. But in practice, the only way that this goes well, and, and it's thankfully something I've learned from just my personal sex life, is that if the other person is equally enjoying and that they're being taken care of. So mm. it's it's just, 
making sure that no one is necessarily sidelined, making sure that there is a balance of, of time spent on people that each person is kind of equally involved and equally enjoying themselves. And I guess time's allowed as well for just time out. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. to watch the other two. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's, it's even though you're trying to balance it, even though you're trying to make sure that everybody's equally involved, maybe that person doesn't want to be as equally involved at all times. So you really have to have a good level of communication and openness, but at the same time realize you, you might just need to change your entire plan. You might need to throw it completely out the window and just kind of go with what that person wants when you're in the moment. It's a cliche, isn't it? But I, I could still imagine them thinking it is that this is your fantasy this is your thing because you're the man Mm -hmm. i'd want to know that maggie is as into it as you are yeah and i think one of the good things is that basically every person that we've been with has been a bisexual woman who has been attracted to both maggie and myself and it's been you know kind of a i don't want to say a means to an end but they've they've realized that attraction for both of us and this just kind of is the most natural way to getting there i mean maggie and i both felt felt very similar on the fact of that we enjoyed it um, but I, I don't think at that point in time it really became anything more than this would be something that would be fun every once in a while. We never necessarily planned to have a relationship. So Janie was our fourth and, and as it's turned out, our last. So I grew up in upstate New York. I grew up apostolic Pentecostal, which is a form of Christianity, um, but we had a lot of rules. So growing up, I was not allowed to wear pants. I couldn't cut my hair. I couldn't wear makeup. I couldn't wear jewelry. Masturbation was a sin. You weren't even allowed to think about any of that. So yes, there. Like I had a purity ring growing up to say that I was going to save myself for marriage. That clearly did not happen. Um, <laughs> but around 17 or 18, I realized that that purity culture was not for me. When it's a couple looking for a third or, you know, someone else to be with them, you have all the power because the couple is not able to just pick and choose who they want. It's much tougher for an established couple to find someone than it is for a single person to find a couple. Um, mm. So I could pretty much choose whoever I wanted and they would agree. So when your phone first went beep and you saw Cozy and Maggie, what did you think? Oh, they have awful profile pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I could, like half of their faces were cut out and they only had two pictures. And from the half of the faces I could see, I thought they were attractive. But in my in the back of my mind, I was like, there's no way they're actually attractive because if they were, why wouldn't they have better pictures? Mm. <laughs> and I honestly don't know why I kept talking to them or why I agreed to meet with them because typically based off of their profile and they had like almost no bio and they only had two bad pictures, I usually wouldn't have. <laughs> Um, but there was just something about it where I was like, well, no, I'm just going to give these people a chance. They're about my age. They look like they're fun. And I'll meet them for drinks. And worst case scenario, I'll go home afterwards. It's not a big deal. What was your first impression of Janie? I thought she was adorable. I actually, the, my first thought was that she looks like a Roman painting of a goddess because she's just like, alabaster skin and curves in all the right places and like I I looked at her and I was like oh yeah you could be like in a museum like you're gorgeous and she was really funny super down to earth really chill um like someone that conversation happened really easily with so she had done this before and 
was already in like a polyamorous situation before she met us. So it wasn't like the first time she'd done something like this. There didn't take that same coaching that we had done before. Although obviously lots of conversations still happened because it's, you know, new people every time, but it was just easier. And we found we liked a lot of the same things. After that first date, I knew like, if I keep seeing these people, I'm going to end up with them. And I wasn't sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. It just really gradually, we were hanging out all the time and we, you know, we were seeing her once a week and then we were seeing her twice a week and then she never left our house. We were out at a bar, Janie and I just like going out drinking, you know, trying to get free drinks and flirting. And I introduced her to this random guy as my girlfriend and she just kind of looked at me and I just kind of looked at her and I was like, well, I mean, I guess... It's true. I mean, it's not not true. And I still remember his name because he followed us on Instagram, which was weird. (laughs) But like, and he still likes like our TikToks. He's on TikTok and he'll, he comments on our TikToks. And I'm like, that's the first dude I ever told that Janie was my girlfriend. (laughs) I mean, the thing that I think leaps to the mind of people who have never been in a relationship with three people in it is jealousy. Mm -hmm. Like, was there ever a moment where you felt that Maggie was more interested in Janie or you felt that Maggie felt that you were more interested in Janie or vice versa? In the beginning, there there wasn't any real jealousy, um, but most of that also came from the fact that we were communicating about it. You know, I, I love both of my partners equally, but at the same time, they are very different people. And I feel like one of the benefits of this type of relationship is that it allowed different people to occupy different spaces for each of us. It's funny, like sex, I'm really not jealous about. We all have our different things that we need. We all have different times that we need it. And so that part was never, there was never jealousy. Um, There was some parts of our relationship, like Cody's a rock climber and something we did together was rock climb. And I am not a rock climber, um, but I was doing it with him. It was like, you know, we are, we are dating. I'm going to do this thing with you. And I remember when things started to get really serious with Janie, sitting him down and being like, I don't care what you guys do together. I don't care what you guys are, you know, hanging out, just the two of you, because I traveled a lot for work. Um, So there were lots of times where they, it was just the two of them. But I was like, I don't want you guys to go rock climbing without me, because that's like kind of our thing. Now, Um, I am happy for them to go rock climbing without me because rock climbing makes me anxious and I, I, there are enough things in life that make me anxious. So I don't need to confront that anymore because he has someone to do that with. Um, and that's great. But it was important to you to save something. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in a relationship like this, the biggest thing is just to communicate about everything, no matter how little you think it is. Now, of course, that communication does not mean that everyone is always going to agree. It just means that we're going to know what the other person is thinking. So when there are times that maybe two people agree on something and the other doesn't, our course of action will depend on what that thing is. And eventually we just make sure that we all agree on that determined course of action. So, for example, if it's something like Maggie and Cody think that we should go to the aquarium, but I don't want to. 
probably they would just go without me and I would stay home as long as I'm comfortable with that. If there is a bigger decision, like we recently moved halfway across the country, that of course... <laughs> <laughs> that is a bigger decision than whether or not you get to be married. Yeah. yeah. That of course is something that all three of us are going to have to agree on. And if there was one of us who did not agree, we wouldn't do it. Every relationship I've been in, you start out, you're having sex all the time. It's super fun, whatever. You know, you meet up, you have dinner, whatever. You have sex at the end of the night. And then as you sort of get more comfortable and, right, you're hanging out and maybe you don't have sex that night. Maybe you're just tired. You know, that happened with mine and Cody's relationship and that's when it really started feeling comfortable and whatever. And then that happened with our relationship with Janie. We'd invite her over. We'd maybe even go out to dinner or go out to a bar or whatever. And then we'd come home and we'd just fall asleep. And that's kind of when it it all happened so naturally that there wasn't one point where we were like, oh, this is just like a straight up grown up relationship because it, it was like every other straight up grown up relationship we'd ever had. Did you know what to call it? No, no, because there's not a good word. Like triad is awful. It sounds like either like some culty thing or like a math thing. And thruple <laughs> is hilarious, but not like good. I personally like three relationship, um, but mostly only like it because they hate it so much. We've had many a conversation about like, what do we call this? And usually I just say like my family now because that's what it is. How many bedrooms did you have? We had one. Cody and I bought a new mattress and we put the old mattress in the basement. And so that became our defect- de facto second bedroom. But it was not a bedroom. It was a finished basement with which with a mattress in it um so, so really to be one. clear there's actually never a night where there isn't a couple which of course wouldn't at all be unusual right. if you were a couple right. living together in a one-bedroom house <laughs> right but but actually if you've got a situation where it's kind of trading on the basis of consent and optionality mm-hmm. you know tonight i'm with you tonight i'm not with you i don't feel like it actually someone has to sleep with someone else every night and i, I suppose the problem is that the default isn't obviously you and cody all the time right yeah and that was definitely more complicated when we first started dating because we had a king size bed and so we decided that well we should just all three sleep together and none of us were getting any sleep and at the time we didn't have any air conditioning in the house which i recognize that for the uk i don't think is that uncommon but for a desert um is not great <laughs> so it was hot and we were miserable we were all three sleeping together and finally we just had a conversation where we were like okay why are we doing this to ourselves like we can all we can switch off who sleeps in what bed and for a while it was a little bit political figuring out who would sleep with who and now it's gotten to the point where we fight over sleeping alone because we sleep better alone (laughs) i think a lot of people listening to this just in a relationship with one other person would like the option to be able to say i want to sleep by myself tonight right which you just can't in a relationship generally being able to have the conversation of like i love you but i'm gassy tonight and no one needs to be subjected to that sort of thing Mm. it's just easier you know So Maggie and Cody decided to get married over a plate of pupusas, as I'm told. And I remember Maggie texted me that same day and she was like, Cody and I just decided we're going to get married. And this was not a huge surprise from our first date. I thought that they had been together for so much longer than they were because 
they just clicked so well and they seemed so comfortable and they clearly loved each other. And I mean, they were just so confident in their relationship. We were very close with Janie, but we hadn't gone through the whole, like we hadn't said, I love you to her yet and that kind of thing. And that kind of developed in between Cody's and my courthouse marriage in January and our sort of more public wedding in May. And those five, six months where things really, like we confronted how serious everything had gotten with Janie. And so it kind of happened alongside our marriage process. Did it feel weird being maid of honor? I don't you know, you're standing inches away from the people that you <laughs> regularly share a bed with and see yourself as in a relationship with and they're marrying each other and you're just standing there like you've got nothing to do with it. It was actually um, kind of validating. It showed me how important I was in their relationship because even when they got married and I was the maid of honor, at that point, I was still not completely equal with them. Again, just because they had had so much more history than I had with them. And we hadn't realized that we were actually in a relationship until so much later. So it was kind of validating to show like you, cause they didn't invite any guests outside of family and their photographer. Mm. And it was very encouraging for me for them to say, you know, you are the only person who is important enough to us, who is not related to us that we want at our wedding. And both of them checked in with me on the day of the wedding to make sure I was feeling okay about it. And of course I was um, mostly, I was just really excited for them cause I could see how happy they were. What were your vows? Uh, we actually wrote our own vows. You know, they were they were uniquely us. We we didn't want to have the traditional uh, to have and to hold that to us part. It was more of focusing on the fact that we wanted to be there for each other in the situations that we knew we would. We wanted to focus on the things that we already weren't great with in the relationship. We wanted to focus on being more communicative, more um, more available, more more there for the person. It was almost in my mind kind of a roadmap of where we wanted it to be less so than the traditional this is your contract to move forward well because the contract is between two people (laughs) yeah there was no fidelity clause (laughs) right the only part of it that felt weird was that we were not out at that point and cody's family was there of course because it was cody's wedding and so we were still kind of hiding our relationship from all of the wedding guests And there was a time where Cody had to go back up to their hotel room to get, I think it was his cufflinks. And for whatever reason, I was going up with him because I had to get something for Maggie. Shoes, maybe. I don't remember what it was. But he and I were in the elevator up together. And I remember him kissing me in the elevator on the way back up to his hotel room on his wedding day. And I remember being terrified that someone in his family was going to, like, enter the elevator and see that and like if we had been out publicly to them i wouldn't have cared still to come what happened when cody maggie and jamie did come out to their families and could their thruple ever become a quadruple that's next after this. This episode of The Modern Man is supported by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. 
Now, what you do with your pubes is a personal choice, but a lot of fellas like to prune their private privet, so their downstairs doesn't look like a raw sausage slung into a Sasquatch's slipper, and their partner doesn't have to fight their way through a hairy hedge maze to get to the goods in bed. But I've heard a ton of horror stories, from the chap who gave himself a chemical burn so bad with hair removal cream that the resulting bushfire required hospital treatment, to the guy who had to commit to depilating his entire arse after accidentally sitting on a home waxing strip. Thankfully, Manscaped has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. It has a premium ceramic blade, it's waterproof so you can simply wash away your clippings with your drippings in the shower, plus the LED light helps you safely see what you're up to down there. Check out their other products too, from boxers to cologne. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code MAN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code M-A-N-N. Your balls will thank you. Okay, back to our thruple now, and it's time for Janie to come out to her evangelical Pentecostal family. How did she tell them she's in a three-way bisexual relationship? I came out to my family a little over a year after meeting Maggie and Cody, and at that point, that was when we had realized that it was more serious. This was after Maggie had already referred to me as her girlfriend, and... She and Cody had had conversations about it and they had had conversations about it with me where we realized we were in a relationship and we had to talk about what that meant and what that was going to look like in the future. I was going to go back to New York for Thanksgiving, but I was only going to be there for a day. So I was going to fly back on Thanksgiving and then the next day I was helping a friend who was actually moving to Colorado and so I was going to drive with her. So I was only going to be in New York for a day and my plan was to go home for Thanksgiving, tell my mom, by the way, I'm bisexual and I'm dating a couple and then immediately go home afterwards and not have to deal with any of the repercussion. And I told my cousin that. And my cousin was like, no, that is a terrible idea. How about you let me tell her now? And then when you come home for Thanksgiving, she can ask you questions about it and like be more okay with it by the time you come home. So I let her do that. So she actually came out for me. Um, So she Mm. told my family that I was bisexual and that I was in a relationship with a man and a woman. And then a couple weeks later, I came home for Thanksgiving and I was expecting a lot of questions about it. Um, But instead, really, no one wanted to talk about it. It seemed like it was a topic of discussion that did not come up until about 10 minutes before I had to meet my friend to drive with her. And all my mom asked was, what's the name of that girl you're seeing? And I said, her name is Maggie. And my mom said, and you really like her? And I was like, yes, I really like her. She was like, okay. And that was the only conversation we had for like the next six months. My mom is just always been someone that takes in whoever. So if someone doesn't have a place to go on Sunday night for dinner, which granted most people don't, uh, they come over to our house. So it wasn't unusual for me to bring friends or girls I had crushes on or boys I had crushes on to Sunday dinner. My mom has met many of my casual fuck buddies because I brought them to Sunday dinner, which is not appropriate, but you know, whatever. So Janie came home like pretty early on. And then my brother's gay. He came out when he was 13. 
I never really came out. I just told my mom I was dating this cute girl and that's, you know, how she knew. And we didn't really ever properly come out with being polyamorous. We were just like, my mom was basically like, yeah, so Janie. And I was like, yeah. And that was the whole conversation because if you're good, I'm good. was kind of the whole thing. My mother has always been somebody who's been incredibly supportive, but at the same time, incredibly cautious. So I think her biggest concern was what this would do for other people's reaction to us, how this would affect us in public, how this would affect us professionally. Um, so there were some concerns that were expressed, but it wasn't in terms of not being supportive or in a negative aspect towards Janie, more of just a lack of understanding about the the core nature of the relationship. And has it affected you in business? Has it affected the way that people see you, do you think? Oh, of course. We've got a lot of great people who are around us, but that doesn't mean that we're excluded from from bigotry and, and and ignorance and confusion. I think the biggest thing, we ended up having a what we believe to be a former employer uh, stalk us and send letters to our jobs, outing us to, to everywhere that we worked, trying to link to uh, private and social media posts. Maggie got the first one and it was sent to her work's corporate office, basically saying that they were a client of hers and they thought that she should be fired because her relationship was unprofessional. Cody received an identical letter, like almost word for word, to his company's corporate office a couple of months later. But then I received a handwritten letter that was sent directly to me at my place of employment that was basically telling me I was a fake member of the LGBTQ community. I was only dating Maggie because I wanted Cody and that they saw right through me and that what I was doing was disgusting. Then what the do you letter- think was motivating the person who sent those? I think that me as a third people take more personally, even if they don't know me personally. Without me, Maggie and Cody would have a straight passing normal marriage. With me, they don't because Maggie is clearly not straight and they don't have a normal marriage. And so it is completely my fault to many people that Maggie and Cody are living in sin, essentially. Despite the fact they went looking for you. Right. You know, people look at three people and they're like, hmm, that's weird. But they don't automatically think thruple. Whereas people look at Janie and I with the way we dress and the way we present ourselves and they think fucking queers. And even before we moved to Tennessee, even in being like in more rural parts of Colorado, even though Denver is an extremely liberal and Colorado technically like votes blue, you know, Still, there were places where Janie and I, we would like hold hands and then we'd get back in the car and be like, that was risky, right? Like we were feeling the same thing. We don't really kiss in public all that often just because that's not who we are anyways. Um, Like we don't kiss in public, even if it's just the two of us all that often, maybe like pecks on the cheek. And if people have questions, they're welcome to ask. But like I said, people's brains don't immediately go to thruple. So it's, it's rare for people to have questions because they mostly just people their brains don't believe what they don't want to believe so if they see the three of us holding hands or whatever being affectionate they think like oh that's a weird friend group not immediately like they probably all have sex there was another time for uh, pda where we all went out for new year's and we were in a bar and it was actually our first new year's together so i had only known them for 
a little over a month at this point, but they wanted me to spend New Year's with them. And we went to a bar and at midnight, Maggie and Cody kissed each other. And then Cody turned and kissed me. And then Maggie turned and kissed me. And there was a man over by the bar who turned around and saw it happen and his jaw just dropped. (laughs) And then um, I believe he gave Cody a high five and walked away. (laughs) How would you feel if if Janie wanted to have an open relationship? Oh man, I'm going to blow your mind. So we are in an open relationship. Right. So what does that mean? (laughs) I think that means that we all got together at a very, very young age. And we took a look at what a relationship means to us. And we know that primarily it's that level of, of companionship and of closeness and of building your life with somebody. And I know that for most people listening to this, you hear about somebody who's in a relationship with three people and you assume that sex is the end all be all or very, very high on the list and a massive part of what we are and, and, and what we do, but it's really not. Um, it is a part of us and it's something that we enjoy, but at the same time, it's, it's pretty low in the list in terms of actual priorities. Um, so with that and the fact that we've all been in outwardly facing, interacting with, with multiple people, we didn't just necessarily want to end up cutting that, that off whether that be maybe I'm not comfortable in something that they would like to pursue, whether that be, um, hell, there's a cute girl who wants to go out for drinks. Are you guys okay with it? Our goal is as long as we have that open line of communication and as long as no one is blindsided by that fact, uh, that we are basically, you know, good to go and, and open to, to live that side of life. And does that extend to other threesomes? Uh, have Maggie and Janie been with anyone else together? It has not, but it's not necessarily been because of a rule. So, you know, I'm, we're not, you know, superheroes when it comes to the communication side of things. Jealousy does still pop up. We still have conversations and there have still been arguments about, you know what? I know I said that I was okay with X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Maybe I'm not, or maybe in order to get to be okay, we need to have a further conversation with it. So it's just, it's a lot of talks. Um, we know that everyone's coming from a place of, of, of love and that this is still the, the primary focus for all of us. So it makes those conversations very easy to have because the end goal is always that we are trying to better ourselves in this relationship. We're not necessarily looking to replace anything or or push anything off to the side. Could it be possible that your thruple could become a quadruple? <laughs> See, on one hand, I'm like, absolutely not, because we have enough going on. And the other hand, if you had asked me and that- We've got two bedrooms. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, we are <laughs> we are building a house right now with four bedrooms. So in theory, there but, we go. but no, we are not looking for that. We are, I, some someone would have to be beyond extraordinary to- be that, but I feel like the second that I say never, that beyond extraordinary person is going to walk in my life. And then we would have that conversation ahead of time and we would talk about what are the pros, the cons. It would probably be, although emotional, also a, a rather clinical conversation because that's how you come to conclusions. And we would make sure first that it wouldn't be hurtful because we don't have jealousy, but we can still get hurt. You mentioned earlier that the guy in the bar high-fived Cody when he realised that he had two girlfriends. 
Yes. Uh, I mean, that, that's funny, but obviously it's also, it's kind of a misogynistic um, response, isn't it, to a fantasy that a lot of straight men in particular have that they could go to bed with two women at once who were also into each other. Do you feel sometimes like that can be a little exploitative? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Maggie and I both have uh, fairly big TikTok followings now just talking about being polyamorous and talking about polyamory. Um, And it is very, very common for us to get comments on our videos saying things like, ah, that man is living the dream or, oh, that man is a king. Um, (laughs) But then it's also very common for us to get comments that are like, why would you let a man control you like that? Or, oh, I could never share my man and things like that. And I think a lot of times people forget that the big difference here between us and like polygamy and sister wives is that Maggie and I are also in a relationship and Mm. people seem to like conveniently forget that when they want to criticize us that like Maggie and I also love each other and Maggie and I have our own relationship. And we always say that there's four relationships within the three of us because there's the relationship Maggie and I have the relationship Cody and Maggie have, the relationship Cody and I have, and then the relationship between all three of us. And I think so often people are very quick to forget about one or even two of those relationships within the overarching relationship. So long as you don't have to get 16 anniversary gifts a year. (laughs) We don't really celebrate anniversaries, actually. I know... (laughs) I'm not surprised. It's complicated to find a card for that occasion. (laughs) Janie, Maggie, and Cody. And as Janie said, both her and Maggie have social media accounts where they post regularly about polyamory. I've linked to those in the blog post for this episode, which you can find on our website, modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. And our thanks to Field, the threesome dating app where they met. Uh, They put us in touch with Janie. uh, So I put a link to Field on our website as well. Uh, Up next, Alex Fox with some creative dating ideas for lockdown. That's after this. All right, let's answer your sex questions now. It's the Foxhole with Alex Fox. Hey, Alex. Hello, Ollie. My knapsack is packed with enchanted apples, golden coins and magic potions, and my life is on full. And well illuminated, I understand. Uh, Yes, this week I have been looking at light bulbs in two very different contexts. The first one, anyone who... (laughs) (laughs) So long as we're talking about contacts and not orifices, carry on. Orifices may or may not feature. I cannot guarantee that they won't. It's a general disclaimer, actually, on the segment. (laughs) I'll start off with the suitable for work version. In fact, particularly suitable for work. Um, Anybody who follows me on Instagram will know that I'm slightly obsessed with having smart bulbs in my house. Mm. Uh, The ones that you can uh, control through your Alexa or on a mobile phone app uh, that change colour and intensity. And I found those particularly useful when working from home because they help to change the atmosphere of a room. So even if you can't change where you are geographically, if you're using the same room uh, to work in during the day and then to relax in at night, you can change the way it feels. Suddenly you take your home office and I'm your private dancer. Just a little bit of red light. That's all you need, isn't it? Precisely. One tap of the app and you're ready to fap. (laughs) 
I have also learned about a sex toy that was designed on the basis of the huge number of people coming into A&E presenting with light bulbs stuck up their asses. <laughs> uh, you can now buy the blueprints to 3D print your own light bulb shaped butt plug or you can buy a heavy weighted stainless steel version of it rather than putting a glass light bulb uh, up where the sun don't shine and the light bulb hopefully won't do either illuminating as ever uh, right time for your questions of sex now brought to you by a new sponsor here at the foxhole the handy.com a sex simulation machine for men yes it's randy it's scandy it's the handy this is a truly masterful masturbatory experience you thought that there was no way that wanking could get better um this is a fantastic <laughs> new masturbation machine for penises that originates in oslo and we'll tell you a bit more about that uh, later. Let's go to this month's question. It comes from an anonymous single straight guy who says, Ever the optimist, I've been throwing myself into dating apps, but after nearly a year of lockdown, I am out of creative dating ideas. Chatting to women week after week via Zoom on my sofa is starting to feel like an infinity of job interviews, and I'm sure how tired and bored I am is starting to become evident in my conversation. So, Alex, how can I... I make lockdown dating more exciting. First of all, I must empathise with this guy who spent the whole year trying to keep his spirits up and trying to go on those virtual Zoom dates. I think we're all a little bit exhausted and, and, and starting to flag somewhat on that front. It's also what you do during the day, isn't it? If you've got a white-collar job when you're working from home and then you're sitting on a computer all day... I almost feel envious, you know, for people who get to go out and drive a truck for a living or something. So at least if they're dating at home on their computer, it's something a bit different. But if you're sitting in endless meeting after meeting virtually, it's just, it's not a romantic context then, is it? Yeah, it's more of the same and it it can become uh, almost feeling like another chore, another bit of admin, something else on your to-do list. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can have your budget spreadsheet open in the tab next to it, can't you? That's the only advantage, you know, someone's boring you, just, you know, stick, stick a few figures in the accounts. <laughs> Well, hopefully I've got some ways that will make those Zoom calls, those distant states, feel less like spreadsheets and more akin to being between the bedsheets or at least more fun. Um, for example, one thing that I have tried is being somebody else's lecturer. This was inspired by a charity event that I took part in called Collaboroki, uh, where myself and some other people with hopefully comedic inclinations were uh, challenged to give a presentation uh, on six power. PowerPoint slides, but we had never seen the slides before. So we had to totally bullshit our way through. Prepare six slides for your date. They do the same for you and you have to make it up as you go along. And hopefully you'll have some comical moments or at least learn something else about them along the way. I mean, the, the whole idea of like some sort of ad lib comedy performance on a date terrifies me. It does require you to be somebody who is comfy with doing a little bit of improv. If you feel more confident with something that has been prepared for you and it's kind of being, you're being entertained by an outside force, if you will, then how about the magic hour? Um, they do private Zoom tuition in mind reading and magic trick classes. So hopefully it'll, they'll create some magic between the two of you. Um, uh, if not, <laughs> you've at least got a bit of sleight of hand to impress your next date. Okay, so that's almost like a sort of, in the real world, the classic sort of dating version of that would be 
I don't know, going to a wine tasting, wouldn't it? And then, or, or going to see a new film, I guess, even, and then afterwards having a chat about it. That's the thing. So there's the activity, then there's the discussion afterwards gives you a, a brief, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think thinking of real world dates that you would enjoy and then exploring the online uh, options for those is quite a good place to start, which sounds really obvious, but you'd be surprised the amount of people that have just assumed that there is nothing equivalent and that that those things aren't happening. And what about if your like go to thing in the real world is to go and I'm not I keep saying real world. I know the digital world's real, but you know, yeah, yeah. uh, If your go to thing is going to a bar where the music's really loud, no one can hear you talk quite difficult to replicate that isn't it online but if it's the music part that appeals to you then you could play distance dj where you take turns to select a song uh, and actually don't be afraid of spending a moment being quiet listening to the lyrics uh, appreciating the melodies and then talking about afterwards what you like what you don't like why you why you selected that track what it means yeah. to you that is again a great way of discovering uh, facts about somebody else uh, and if they choose Nickelback then you can just sick, sack them off forevermore. Uh, <laughs> I know some particularly brave friends who've actually sent playlists or whole album that's meaningful to them to their date ahead of time and basically got them to prepare a little five minute review of it and then seen uh, the places where they match. There the mixtape suddenly makes more sense. Yes, it does. And at the other end of the spectrum, from music and sound to no sound at all, um, another fun thing that I've heard of people doing is agreeing to watch a movie together, but completely silently. And then, uh, again, this is perhaps a little bit for the Andrammed queens amongst us, uh, providing an alternative script, just ad-libbing what you think (laughs) might be happening in the movie. Um, Another thing that I tried from a distance um, was uh, reading somebody's tarot cards. And full disclosure, I think tarot, or I used to think tarot, was a whole load of woo-woo-woo, out there, exploitative bullshit, frankly. Um, But uh, together with a more... uh, a more woo-inclined friend, uh, I went to a workshop and I actually learned that um, it's as much about storytelling and uh, interpretation and um, laying out the cards, looking at the pictures on them, uh, interpreting it the way that um, you want to and then seeing how much you can Darren Brown style observe about what your partner um, latches onto that you've said that's of interest to them. But it's also just like learning a new skill is one of those things, isn't it, as we've explored elsewhere in this episode that people are doing at the moment. And actually, even if you think the skill is bullshit, if you're both at the same novice level, then you're learning it together, aren't you? Absolutely. And, And I don't think we... I think it can feel like a lot of pressure to say, I'm going to learn a new skill you can just try something. Yeah, just try it out. Yeah, there's no pressure to polish it and perfect it. You can just give it a whirl for one night only and not expect or place that um, expectation on yourself to to become a master of it. And what about for people who actually have met up in person? Because uh, even during the most intense period of lockdowns, we've been allowed to go and meet one person outdoors and some people have been using that for dates. Can you make dating from a distance more fun when you're outdoors? 
Well, full disclosure, I have been dating from a distance and I have actually grown so close to somebody via this method that I now have a boyfriend, Ollie. Wow. So as much as it seems like I'm spouting complete lunacy here, I have proof that it works. And <laughs> the first outdoor distance date that I took us on was a picture pick tour. Uh, we decided to go walking uh, later in the evening so there weren't so many crowds in the streets. Like an Edwardian promenade. <laughs> uh, yes, we went promenading. Um, I made a list of pictures we should both take on our mobile phones of things like five joyful yellow items, a street name that sounds like something enchanted could happen on it, um, something that looks like it'd be a great name for a perfume, uh, something that began with his initials and mine, a miniature swimming pool for elves, a picture-based treasure hunt. I actually uh, would be I- up for something like that if I was dating because you just, like, if you don't want to just be having a chat, it, you know, and, and you just feel like you've exhausted that first bit of conversation, where, especially where you physically can't touch each other. Like, I, I like the idea of some sort of adventure request it's a nice diversion uh, and i actually then challenged myself to paint some of the nicest pictures that we'd taken and i turned them into a card for him because i am endlessly and really quite nauseatingly romantic um another option is geocaching you download a geocaching app i think it costs about four pounds or so for a month it uh it, it works a lot like google maps um, it uses GPS to tell you where you are in relation to tiny little hidden geocaches, uh, many of which are repurposed photo canisters, old photo film canisters, um, which have uh, a little list of everyone who's found them before inside. Sometimes they have tiny treasures like sequins or miniature toys. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> Yeah, hand sanitizer. Um, they're hidden all over the UK. Uh, the app guides you to the rough location of where they are, but then you have to find them. Some of them are magnetic, so they're stuck to bridges or road signs. Uh, some of them are hidden under the earth, so you have to dig a little while. You get to then sign your name with your date, take a little picture together, and if you want, you can also leave your own treasure inside the cache for someone to find, perhaps on a future date in a way i mean i'm not advocating this (laughs) long term but in a way there's something quite charming about the kind of dating people are doing i found that dating during lockdown and it's been nearly a year of it now as our writer says has forced me to become more creative and more inventive I mean, I hope it's evident that that has always been a part of my personality, but I think I had let that lapse. I'd become a little bit lazy and was resting on my laurels or rather resting my arse on a bar stool uh, and just depending on um, cocktails and... The moves. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, not that that wasn't a fun way to date, but actually uh, being prompted to think in different ways and, and, and generate fresh ways of connecting with people, I have found to be uh, quite a joy. And it's definitely something that I will continue uh, after hopefully this pandemic wraps up. An event I think it's fair to say we are all looking forward to. Uh, if you have a question of sex for Alex, do drop by our website at modernmanwith2ends.co.uk and click feedback. And a huge thank you once again to our new sponsors, TheHandy.com, manufacturers of a lean, mean, thrilling machine that physically uses a motor to move a textured silicone sleeve up and down 
the shaft of the penis. You attach the sleeve with a Velcro strap, uh, which is a really simple way of getting it to perfectly fit your personal anatomy and provide the strength of grip that suits your tastes. And then things get really interesting because uh, the movement can be either controlled by yourself or by someone else anywhere in the world using Wi-Fi. So the ecstasy can be remote controlled. Um, it can also be synced up with things like adult videos or VR porn for a fully immersive effect. Um, check out more information at thehandy.com. And if you want to try it, do use our discount code FOXHOLE at checkout for free express shipping. That is F-O-X-H-O-L-E at thehandy.com. Thanks, Alex. Cheers, my dears. And with that, we have very nearly reached the end of this episode of The Modern Man, but there is just time to appoint a new ambassador. It is Kat Dawson in Sydney, who says, Ollie, I've listened to your show since it started when I lived in the UK. Now back in Oz, I recommend it to anyone that will listen and have bought you a few beers as a thank you. Could I please be ambassador for Marrickville in Sydney's Inner West, which was just rated one of the top ten cool places to live in the world. We have more craft breweries than any other suburb. I recommend a Marrickville Grifter Serpent's Kiss Watermelon Pilsner or a Sea Boogie Cucumber Kolsch. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, money, cat, and for the beer tips. I now pronounce you ambassador for Hecate. You can have Sydney itself. I'm feeling generous. G'day. Uh, meantime, our theme music has been by Django Django. The producer has been Matt Hill. I've been Ollie Mann. And we'll see you with something new on the 10th of April. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.